0: Welcome to the Process Podcast from New Agent to grown-up. My name is Travis McClure. This is my co-host Preston Geike. Welcome to the Process Podcast. This is Travis McClure, and I have a very special guest with me, Kimberly Benoit. Uh, she is a leadership coach, consultant, and soon to be published author um she specializes and has an extensive background in program management change management crisis management strategy development and organizational effectiveness kim welcome to the show introduce yourself and tell us your story
1: thank you for having me um so as you said my name is kim and i am from louisiana so i am truly a good cajun southern girl Um, And I've been really fortunate to have a pretty amazing career. I've worked in Fortune 50 companies down to startup nonprofits and have had the ability to really get deep into a lot of different areas of business. So from operations to strategy to how do we create great leaders so that we can implement all of this wonderful stuff. And um, as you introduced, I've got 24 years under my belt. So um really excited to be here to kind of talk about some things and share some knowledge with your, your viewers.
0: Yeah, I thought you would be a great guest. I know you and I spoke a little bit last week and working in the industry I work in, there's a lot of realtors and even broker owners who decide to start a company or decide to start a team. And there's always that big struggle when you move from me to we. And yeah. talk about that. So, so why is a leadership coach so important for somebody like that?
1: So leadership coaches are pretty interesting. And so um, I like to always start with like, what is a coach? Because I think sometimes people um, call themselves coaches and that's fine. Um, But a coach really is different from anything else in the sense that um, coaches are really there to be a thought and accountability partner. So I am simply there to help you think through where you are, what are you trying to accomplish? What are your roadblocks? And then what are the best next steps for you? So the difference being, if you went to a mentor, a mentor would probably tell you, well, here's what I've done, Mm -hmm. here's what you should do. And so what necessarily might work for me may not work well for you. So my job really is to get you to think through who you naturally are and what would fit best um, in your trajectory, in your journey, versus maybe try to implement what I think are the best things for you. And so when we think about somebody who's going from kind of a new leader, uh, kind of, excuse me, going from an individual contributor to a new leader. This is a wonderful opportunity to talk to somebody that there's no judgment, that there is, you know, so it's not like going to your boss and being like, I look stupid, right? This is a person who's solely here to help you think through w- what, the, what your challenges are and what plans you can put in place to try to tackle them. Because um, a lot of times we don't want to go to people we know or we don't wanna go necessarily to the people we may not naturally think of. And so this is just a great opportunity and a great partner to help somebody move forward in a way that works best for them.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree with that more. I mean, I always view, I mean, we have a business coach here at, you know, in our companies that we we run and it's exactly that, that. you know, our business coach isn't necessarily telling us what he's done, but it's just an outside like that hundred yard view of what you have going on that outside perspective and sometimes as a leader you're emotionally involved and it's yeah. nice to have that person who's not
1: well and i think it's also really good to have somebody who can like push you and tell you may and challenge you because that's part of what happens is sometimes when you're really close you don't want to hurt someone's feelings right and you know my job is to help you be successful and sometimes i have to challenge that what you're doing is the right thing Absolutely. I have to challenge that, you know, that this is the best plan. So I make you think about things from a variety of um, aspects and perspectives. Um, but yeah, because that's sometimes you sometimes you need somebody who speaks a little truth to power and just kind of challenges you a little bit, but does it in a very loving and professional way.
0: Yeah. Um, uh, interesting about that. Preston and I have often talked about like a, a really good coach will tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. Yeah. And the other thing with that is we also believe like accountability is honestly the highest form of love anybody can show you, you know. Yeah.
1: And and I can honestly I've had coaches in my career and and that's partly how I ended up down this path. I mean, I've had a tremendous um, history of doing professional development in corporate environments and helping other people grow and learn through actual training and mentoring. But it was once I started working with a coach myself that I kind of, it all fell together in the sense that, um, they challenged me in ways that my leader wasn't, or my peers weren't able to. And I was also able to be way more candid because again, it's kind of a protected relationship. Um, And so that's how I could see the value of it. And that's why I think it's so important for people, if it's something that they feel that they could use to explore, because it really can be a differentiator in helping you kind of move beyond or move forward in areas that you might be struggling.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think last week, you and I had discussed a lot about the communication challenges leaders can have. Unpack that a little bit.
1: Yeah, so it was interesting because we were talking about particularly like the the me to we. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was funny. Right after we had that conversation, I actually had someone say to me, they're like, I really struggle with delegation. Yeah. And I started laughing because that's actually a very common challenge for new leaders. Right, And um, because what they think is a delegation challenge is frequently actually a communication challenge. And so one of the things I thought we could talk about is, is thinking through a little bit of what. Where a lot of new leaders, I think, tend to um, run into some difficulty is we have been really good at what we do. Mm-hmm. We we are doing. We got promoted because we're really good at what we do, or we started our own business because we're really good at doing something. And leading requires a slightly different skill set. So you are actually now hiring other people to do for you to now lead. And um, and then when you when you're trying to delegate. Because we've hired such smart people, because we're really good at hiring great talent, we assume everybody kind of knows what we want. So if I say, for my office space people out there, so if I say, Travis, I need the TPS report, can you get that for me? And Travis being the amazing person, the go-getter that I know I hired, you're going to say like, yes, and you're going to rush off and go say, I will figure it out. Because that's what a lot of people do. Mm -hmm. They don't want to look stupid. They don't want to say they don't know. And so I feel like I have given you this amazing gift to do this work. You are going to try to do it for me. And probably what what frequently happens is, bless your heart, Travis, you try so hard, but you miss the mark. And then I get frustrated because you didn't get me what I needed when I needed it. And so I make the decision that, oh, I'm just gonna do it myself. And so so delegation's hard. And so, but what really happened is, is, we didn't set each other up for success. Mm -hmm. I, as a leader did not set either one of us up for success Um, simply because I didn't give you, I, I assumed you knew more than you knew. And so it's really understanding that who you are and what you know, isn't intuitive to everyone around you. So I think being a new leader, that's one of the common things is how do we slow down a little bit, share more information check for understanding before we then kind of move on to other things. And that's a hard thing to do when you're used to doing it yourself and you're used to things going quickly. So one of the things I would say is, and kind of what we'll talk about a little bit more about how to attack that is um, some great advice that I got early on in my career, because I'm a go-getter. I like, I have lists. I get it done. um, Is, and when I was transitioning into leading, was somebody told me you have to go slow in order to go fast, mm-hmm. and I was like, mm, "Can you explain that one to me?" Because, but it's the idea that if I slow down and ensure all my pieces are in place, then my foundation is set. Then we can go very quickly because everyone's on the same page.
0: Right.
1: But if we go just try to pre- if we just try to accelerate all the time, we're leaving people behind. And then when, once we get to the end, it's a mess. And so that is probably one of the most common things I see is how do we get new leaders to slow down and really kind of set that foundation a little bit um, in their effort to execute quickly.
0: So how how does a leader do that? First of all, like, how do you recognize like, OK, this is a situation I need to slow down? And then what are, what would you say would be the next steps around that?
1: So if you find yourself being frustrated a lot <laughs> because Well, I I told them and it's not getting done or it's not happening the way you want it to. That's a very big red flag that there's pieces missing. So if you as a, I would just say that again, if you as a leader feel like, feel very frustrated that you're not getting from your team what you need, I would pump the brakes really hard. And then I would sit down and say, okay, slow, like here, what are the things that are most important in communication? There's some key things that you always want to make sure that are there, even if you think they know. Mm-hmm. So I would always make sure they conclude things like, what are you asking for them to do? Why is it important? Because sometimes that's helpful. It's usually really helpful. I would also include how to do what you're asking them to do. Um, so for instance, that TPS report, is there something specific they need to know? Is there a login they need to have or are there specific systems they need to go to? How long does it take for the report to run? Because you need to give a deadline of when you need something. So when do you need what by? So again, don't make any assumptions that people should know. And then it's always coming back and asking for question for understanding so that if people really have questions, you've opened the door for them um, and not allowing them to just kind of jump in and say, Hey, I have a question, ask for it, maybe probe for it a little bit. The other thing I would have them think about. So if you have those five elements that should be included in any communication you have. So I'd start there. And then the next thing I would do is challenge yourself. And how are you communicating the message? So Everybody has a go-to thing. Um, You and I talked about this before. We think definitely there's probably some generational difference. Sure. So, you know, for instance, if you have an urgent, if you have something urgent you need to communicate to somebody, how would you do it? Like you...
0: Probably like something urgent I would call because I want to make sure we talked about it and you have every understanding you need to get it done.
1: So for instance, I might send you a text message right and like put everything i think is in there you might have other people who would send a text message that says i had a leader who did this see urgent email so they would write me a novel and then they would text me see urgent email and then if i didn't respond quickly enough then i get a phone call so they had a very complicated communication strategy yeah um but what i would encourage people to think about is how are you naturally communicating? And is that what the message needs? And is that what your team member needs in order to be successful? So, for instance, you know, I keep going back to our TPS report, but it's a good example because it could be anything. It could be a report, it could be a project, it could be any deliverable you're asking for. Is the first time probably needs to be a conversation, either face to face, a phone call. If it's super complicated process, you might even need to follow up with an email with step-by-step guidance of what needs to happen and including those five five components. Um, But if it's something that has been done before, then that text could probably be sufficient if you know that all that information has been understood, retained, and delivered on previously. So it really comes down to slowing, not just slowing down and asking, you know, have I put all the elements in, but am I delivering it to this person in a way that makes sense to them? And again, sets them up to deliver successfully.
0: Kim, you know what comes to mind? What you said, you talk about a leader you had. I had one in my past as well, where they would deliver every piece of information like it was urgent. And I think after a while, it's like, well, if everything's important, then nothing's important, right? And it's I think there's some importance to like kind of touch on that too. Like there's different levels of urgency behind communication. So how is how important is it to match that, the scenario, I guess?
1: Yeah. So I think again, if you go back to the components where you as a leader are forced to sit down and say, what am I asking? Why is this important that I'm asking of this? And like, when is it needed realistically? Mm -hmm. Um, if you're finding everything is urgent, then that's probably a conversation. Like you need to really figure out what is really the priority for your team member. Because if everything's a priority, I guarantee you, you're going to burn that person out so fast. And then you're going to have a big retention problem. Right. Because the truth is not every everything's not important all the time. It may feel that way, but that's part of our job as a leader is to actually help prioritize that.
0: Absolutely.
1: And so I would again come back to ask yourself these same five questions is, you know, what is it, why is it important? And if if you're actually having required like a reprioritization, say you gave them something two days ago, but something else came up, help them understand that the priorities have shifted um, so that they don't think they're all still like hot button, you know, fire drills that have to go on. Help people understand um, what you really need from them when And, you know, and I also think if you're not really sure if you're doing this and this takes a lot of courage, especially for new leaders. um, But what I would do is, is I would ask your team Yeah. and do it in a way that's anonymous. Like, don't wait for, don't wait for like an an annual engagement survey because that just don't do that. Uh, But we've done some things before in the past where, you know, especially if you have small teams, like we've done, we actually did something that was really fun. Um, on one team I was on where we had a box and we would ask a question and people were allowed to anonymously put answers in the box. And then the leader would, at the end of it, take it. And then who like, and then the team members that participated would like randomly win like gift cards and stuff to encourage people to actually answer. But it was anonymous unless you chose to put your name on it. Um, But the idea was, is they were able to get some candid feedback. Yeah. Timely. And say you know you can ask people questions, and I think the team they're there to they're there to be successful. They're there to support you. So I think if you as long as you create the environment where you're open to hearing constructive feedback,
0: absolutely.
1: Like you've got to be able to hear that you're not doing it well, and then be again vulnerable enough to say, "Okay, I have to try something different."
0: We we do a process here. Um, we call it start, stop, keep. So a couple times a year, we'll say, hey, what's what's something that, you know, you think we should start doing? What's something we do that you absolutely hate we should stop doing? Yeah. And what's something we do now you absolutely love? You would hate it if we stopped this, so we got to keep doing it, right? And we have people fill out these surveys. And we give them the same thing. Like, you can put your name on it. You can. If you don't want to, you don't have to. But, you know, just turn them in before you leave the meeting, whatever. And we have everybody fill this out. the Start, start stop, and keep. And it's funny thing that, that I've come to realize, like if you don't get any kind of feedback that's not good, like if some if if everybody's just like, oh, everything's great, we're good. It's almost like a red flag to me. Like yeah. they don't trust you enough to give you honest feedback, you know? As a leader, I, like I want some feedback that's not good.
1: Well, and I think you have to demonstrate like consistently that you're open to it. And so one, you have to ask for it consistently. Sure. Um, And you have to show that when somebody gives you something that whether you agree with it or not, you think like say thank you and say, you know what, I'm going to take that back and and reflect on that. And you got to you've got to create the culture where people feel open enough to do it, because if they're scared that there's going to be some kind of crazy retaliation, they'll never be honest with you right? or that their jobs in jeopardy or something like that. Um, So we did. We used to call it stop, start, continue. OK. And um, so one of the things that we did, too, which is always interesting, if you really want to like it. De- well, it depends on how you want to do it and what the culture is like on your team. But I've seen some team member like I saw a leader once just have it up in a common area, like some white paper. And people would just come in random sli- st- slap stickies. Oh, okay. and so I've seen that done during workshops and stuff. And so where people and so that way it's like you're free to go put it up and you just kind of. Give the information but that's the important part is like if you ask for it then you got to do something with it yes. and then the more that you show you're open and that you're going to do something about it the more likely people will be candid with you and give you real answers
0: yeah we do it uh probably like twice a year we'll kind of do that we do a weekly sales meeting with uh, in our company we do that twice a year we kind of end the meeting with that and hand out and have them turn them in before they leave and it's like i said it's like if if we didn't get any I don't, I don't want to call it negative feedback, but we didn't get any like corrective feedback. Constructive red flag. Constructive. There you go. Constructive feedback. That's a red flag to me because like no company is perfect. No leader is perfect. Like you should have somebody help, like wanting to give you some some input.
1: Well, I mean, fortunately, I've never had that experience. I think there's always been something that yeah. you know. But I mean, that's a good sign because you should be trying things as leaders, and right. you know. Um, I think growing is part of it. And again, the analogy I gave a leader recently we were working with, she was really frustrated because she was trying something and she felt like she was failing a lot. And I said, well, what do you think would happen if every kid that was learning to walk just kind of quit after the third time? And was like, you know what? I'm over this. I've fallen three times. I've cried a lot. Like I'm done. And I was like, no, I mean, it's the commitment to keep figuring it out. Keep trying. No, you're not going to get it right the first time. Right. Or even if you're lucky and you take, you know, a couple great steps the first time, you may fall the next four times and that's okay. Um, You know, we're human and we're trying to figure it out too. And so I think it's just being open to that, admitting that. Um, The other thing I would say too is, is not necessarily waiting for pro to be like, we were talking about asking for the feedback. Mm -hmm. Um, But one of the things I think is really important for leaders is if you know, you didn't show up well, or if you know that you didn't, put all the elements there for somebody to be successful is coming back and owning it. Yes. Like proactively. And, um, that's,
0: that's a sign of really good leadership in my opinion when someone can do
1: that. Well, because one, that, that again, you're setting the sam. you, you are setting the stage for your team and you were like, you're creating your culture in that moment of saying, Hey, i screw up. If I can come forward and say, Hey, I didn't show up as my best. I'm sorry. I didn't like, I wasn't the leader you needed me to be in this moment,
0: Absolutely. you know,
1: you know, I recognize that I promise I'll do better, you know, that kind of thing. Then you're now creating the space for other people to do the same thing and say, Hey, I didn't show up as well as I could have on this project or this, um, ask or whatever it is. You're just, you're creating the space for people to be human, to acknowledge it, ask for forgiveness, but also to make corrective that show that they're trying to do better and, and in some way moving towards a corrective posture. But, um, yeah, that's huge. Because I think you have to, you have to show you're human, you can't pretend you're perfect. Because, again, that team won't last very long. if
0: you do. Right. And they won't, they won't, I think that's how you build trust, you know, yeah. just kind of owning stuff like that. I wanted to ask you too, because you and I talked about it a little bit last week, is and I think this is really hard, especially for I can remember when I first got into leadership is giving constructive feedback, like giving that candid feedback of like, hey, Kim, you know, this didn't go the way we had hoped. You know what I mean? Like talk about that a little bit. What advice would you give to a new leader on on how to sharpen that skill?
1: Oh, this is so, again, so perfect because I'm actually working on some training material because this is probably one of the hardest questions um, because so much of that comes down to the relationship you're building with your team. Mm -hmm. Because if you have a trusting relationship with your team member who's not showing up, that's a, actually an easier conversation to have than with a team member where there is no trust right um so if you so the but the elements i think that need to be really important is one is i think um is it shouldn't be coming out of the dark. So one, I hope that we're not just talking about like the annual review because that shouldn't be what's happening. Like no one should be surprised like if they're having this conversation. But what I would say is, because that actually came up recently too, uh, is feedback and performance should be a continual process. Mm -hmm. And it should be a conversation you're having with your team member on a regular basis. And so, you know, I think sometimes, um, one approach that I think can be helpful, especially for new leaders that are nervous about having this conversation is, you know, set up a structure. So where you're asking the team member to come in and say, okay, tell me two things that went well, tell me one thing that could have gone better or that you would have done different, you would do differently if you could do it over. Yeah. Yeah. And then basically come back with the same and say, okay, let me tell you two things that I saw that went really well. And here's one thing that I think could maybe we could, I would love to see us approach differently. Um, So definitely not using language of you suck or, you know, (laughs) because I mean, again, like some people have. um, But make it more constructive and always assume good intent unless you have information otherwise, but always assume good intent on your, your employees part and that they want to show up and do well. And maybe like there's aspects that you weren't aware of. Um, But by setting up that structure, you're allowing that team member to open the door of what they see about themselves. Because the truth is we're all our harsh, our own harshest critic. Yes. And so they may actually be focused on something that they think is an undesirable issue or a problem that from your perspective, isn't that important. And so it gives you a chance to kind of come together and align on where they need development and where maybe they need to focus. And so, but again, you're opening the door so that you can have that conversation and you can get that insight into who they are. Um, Because I think sometimes that's really important is that you kind of, you need to know how your employee sees themselves and what's important to them.
0: Yeah, and that's a really challenging thing for, for most people is yeah. having that self-awareness, awareness, especially when it's maybe an opportunity in, in a situation like that. What I love about those questions, and I'm I'm taking notes, I feel like this is the second time we've met on Zoom and I, I'm like learning stuff, um, so you ask the questions, hey, what are two things that went really well? What could we have done differently? Yeah. I love that because you're really leading them down that path of self-discovery, uh, yeah. hey, what could I have done differently?
1: And, and and focus it on what could you have done like and make it a personal ownership because especially if it's a group project if yeah. if something didn't go well it'll be very easy to say well so and so right so and so had done different but really make it about personal like what would you like what did you think did not go well and what would you like to do differently or would, have, would if you were in that same situation today what would you do differently to get a different outcome. So again, it puts it back on the, the focus of their ownership and not necessarily other people, other dynamics that they can't control.
0: It's funny, as we talk about this too, my mind immediately goes to parenting because I feel like this is a great strategy. Sometimes <laughs> with kids, it's gonna be, with kids it can be hard to give them feedback yeah. they sometimes need to hear, right? Um, yeah. So I think this is a great all-around tool. Um, You're welcome. <laughs> Kim, I always love to ask the question about a book or a recommended book, but I think it's pretty cool. You and I were talking last time. You were telling me about a book you're in the process of writing and publishing. Tell us a little bit about that.
1: So yeah, um, so it's been really an interesting journey because when we talk about leaders and self-awareness, you know, one of the things that has Come up a lot is when we talk about kind of toxic workplaces and toxic leaders, we're very quick to point the finger at someone else. Mm -hmm. And um, I had this interesting idea of like, well, how often would somebody who's worked for you say that you're the toxic leader? And so I started asking people that. And it was interesting to see people's responses. And so, kind of, this idea of self awareness is um, I got this idea for this book because the reality is we all in leadership all make mistakes. Yes. We have all done things that in hindsight we're like, "Oh god, I wish I hadn't done that." And so the question then becomes is is like, are you aware of like when you're not showing up well? And then what are the triggers that sometimes can create those dynamics for you? Um especially if it's something that happens repeatedly throughout your your journey. And then what would you want to do differently? So how do you start putting some action into place to not fall into those traps again? So, um I've written a book. Uh, it's, it's gonna, it's, the title is We've All Done It, and it really is around understanding kind of the roles we all play. So whether, um, you know, the joke I make, a little bit dicey joke, but it gets into the humor because I believe we should laugh, like we have to be able to laugh at the goofy things we've done throughout life. But I say, whether you have dealt it, smelt it, or felt it, when there is a toxic environment, we're all aware. And we've all played one of those roles at some point in time in our life. And so what I want us to get into and ask the questions of is how do I show up in each of those ways? And how do I maybe want to change how I show up? Um, Because I think as leaders, it's our job. It's our responsibility to kind of try to be the best we can be, but also understanding we're going to screw up along the way. So there's no judgment, but it really is how do we continue to make that incremental improvement to be the leader that our teams need us to be and that we wanna be. Um, So yeah, that is coming out um, next year, early next year. And I can say going through this process It is by far one of the most humbling experiences, and I will never take for granted any book I ever read. So this has definitely been um, an amazing, amazing experience. Um, But I will leave you with a one book, two books, actually, that I think are great career in helping guide my leadership. Ego by Simon Wakeman, um, phenomenal. Um, And uh, Start With Why by Simon Sinek.
0: Uh, It's one of my favorites. Love that book.
1: They truly are, I mean, exactly. I mean, there's they're very good, especially for new leaders in trying to kind of figure out who you are, what is your style. Um, these are great gu- guides to figure out, okay, here's how I can approach something, but then figure out in working with your leader, working with mentors and a coach of how do you make it your own hmm. and make it authentically who you are, I think is really helpful.
0: Kevin said, this has been great. Two times I've been on Zoom with you, I've learned I got a whole page full of notes just from interviewing you for a podcast, which I'm always a fan of. Um, if somebody wanted to get a hold of you or contact you and talk to you about leadership, yes. what's the best way for them to do that?
1: Uh, go to my website, which is uh, KimberlyJBenoit.com. And for those non-Southern folks, um, Benoit is spelled B-E-N. O-I-T, which, but I know you'll probably include it in the show notes. And, um, but yeah, that's the easiest way to find me there. And uh, I'm happy to connect with anybody who has more questions or just wants to chat.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much. And I'm looking forward to, we've all done it coming out early next year. Yep. And uh, I appreciate you being a guest. Guys, have a great rest of your day. Have a great week. And thank you for listening to The Process.